We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for August 3rd, 2014. Today's study is going to be a dedicated study regarding the whole Ebola issue that has reared its ugly head, particularly in the last, in more of a concentrated way in the last week. Obviously, this has been something that's been playing out for months in Africa, and um, now with Ebola, with them losing containment of Ebola, and them literally shipping patients to the United States, uh, this becomes a whole other factor. <clears throat> so we're going to try to look at this in a very broad uh, sense. We're going to try to cover all the aspects of what we could be facing with this. And also, uh, if you're wanting to dismiss something like this, understand that the first commandment of the Georgia Guidestones is to reduce world population to 500 million, and that is the Ten Commandments of the New World Order. And 500 million, you're looking at over a 90% reduction. Now, they have to achieve that some way. I'm not going to say God's going to let them achieve that, um, particularly in in its totality, which would which would pretty much far exceed anything even in the book of Revelation would talk about. I have a hard time believing that the New World Order is going to be able to pull off a 90% reduction in population prior to the Tribulation. Because that would almost make like the Tribulation passe. You know? It would almost be like anticlimactic. All the, all the plagues and all the things that are talked about in, in Revelation, uh, which were not in the Tribulation yet, that, w- that would almost make that seem like, oh, well, you know, what is that in comparison? We just lost 90% of the population. Now you got this 10%, and that's what Revelation is actually talking about. I just, I, I, I don't, I think if there was, if there, if that was going to happen before the tribulation, the point I'm trying to make is the Bible would have mentioned that. And that would be a far greater thing from a human standpoint than even what they're talking about from a human loss standpoint, than anything they're even talking about in the book of Revelation. I have a hard time believing that. Okay, remember, the Lord is in control, and that's the thing we always have to remember about these types of studies, and the studies I get into on a weekly basis. Um, The Lord Jesus Christ is in control. And Satan cannot depopulate 90% of the earth on his own. He literally has to get permission. God can stop him at any point along the way. He can throw monkey wrenches into his plan any point along the way. And I believe that happens every day, probably thousands of times, that we don't even know about it. Uh, There's been a lot of thwarted attempts, I believe. And they're way behind schedule compared to what they wanted to have in place from a timeline. Uh, I've I've heard many things saying that they wanted to make the George Orwell 1984 a, a physical reality when 1984 rolled around. And obviously we're, you know, 30 years later here. And uh, they haven't even implemented it to that extent yet. So, um, that's something to think about there. So, while I didn't have... The information about this has been coming so fast that I have just been scrambling, trying to get all of this info into this teaching just for today's study. I mean, it's kind of that way every week. But this has been just 
to the point where I don't even want to look at new information because I'm like, oh no, I have to add more in, and the study keeps getting bigger. Um, I'm not going to cover all of the PDF today, but it's 24 pages, and I've even expanded the borders, the width and the height and the depth of the um, PDF so that each page holds a whole lot more than it used to. So I'd probably be closer to 30 had I had the if the PDF was on a regular border scheme. Uh, but I'm trying to cover more, and the more I have on the page, the quicker I can get through it. So, uh, anyway, the, the PDF for this teaching will be available um, for you know, August. It'll be the August 3rd, 2014, and there's a lot of things we're going to cover. Some of it, yes, is redundant from times past regarding protocols, regarding things, proactive things you can do, um, but a good refresher and... Considering this is probably the primary way that I have always been convicted that Satan, via the globalist, via the Illuminati, via the New World Order, via his fallen angels, via whatever faction of the world you want to blame, whether you want to blame it all on the Jesuits, whether you want to blame it all on the Zionists, whether you want to blame it all on the Illuminati... The bottom line is it is it is a satanic conspiracy. It is a global effort to bring humanity down. I don't ever blame anyone because then you start to focus on that one little group to the exclusion of all the rest. I'd say the Illuminati is about as high as you can get on the food chain. The thirteen families, you know, yeah, there's a ton of evil, wicked things going on in a lot of different, but they're all ultimately working together to try to get this New World Order in position so that the arrival of the false prophet and the Antichrist can come about. That's the whole goal by Satan. And it's it's biblical from the standpoint, I'm not saying what they're doing is biblical, but it's biblical from the standpoint the Bible predicts this is going to happen. So, um, I've always said that I believed that, you know, do they really want to have a like in America alone, disarming America, do they want to have an absolute all-out, knock-down, drag-out war with the American patriot movement and their forces? Wouldn't it be better if the American patriots were weak and sickly and they had spread a pandemic through the camp so that they were much easier to eliminate while they had their own soldiers? Maybe, Maybe they had some kind of remedy for their own. Maybe not. Maybe they want them all to die too, so that they can put in all foreign troops. Who knows exactly what and how this is all going to play out. Um, But a weak, sickly population or one that is dead (laughs) is very much easier to take over than one that is mentally prepared, hale and hearty. And I'm not saying American General is that way, but I think the patriot community, the ones that are in the know, um, are are preparing for this eventuality. And if they could release some type of pandemic, some biowarfare agent, um, it would make their job a lot easier as far as a takeover America, which is kind of the last chess piece that really, I'm not going to say it's the last one, but it's one of the last chess pieces that really needs to fall in order for the New World Order to be implemented. And this is the whole thing of letting the borders open, wide open now. Just the floodgates, they're just getting so aggressive, so out of control, so off the hook. And I think the more of an awakening occurs 
with the patriot community, with the Christians, with the with the with with the people that have morals as well. I mean, just moralistic, upright people know there's something wrong here. People that have a backbone. Um, the more that awakening occurs, the bigger problem the New World Order has. Because, obviously, the more people that wake up to this, and the more people that inform others, and the more people that are preparing um, in, in the plethora of different ways you can prepare, well, then that's going to be resistance that they have to overcome. So, I believe they're getting just absolutely flagrant in their actions regarding just the border issue alone. I mean, we've reported on this in the weeks past. I mean, it's just totally insane, out of control, in your face, just, I mean, last week's teaching alone. Well, they're desperate. And as people wake up more, they're getting more aggressive. And my fear and I'm not saying we should have fear, but it's a fearful thing, is that they're going to say, you know what? We're going to go to plan B. Because too many people are waking up, and Obama's popularity is tanking. People are seeing that devil for what he is, and the wicked, corrupt government, and we're going to have this pandemic, and not only are we going to come out smelling like a rose, because we're going to pose to the saviors, and we're going to have this whiz-bang vaccine, that is actually going to be the, the result of your death, probably, or injectable microchips and foreign DNA, and, and only the Lord knows. And we're going to talk about that today. Um, but we're going to create millions of deaths. We're going to be able to take over the country. We're going to be able to institute martial law. We're going to be able to pose as the saviors. We're going to be able to do this with much less resistance, especially if we can con this country, including, let's say, and I'm just saying, and in, in using generalizations here as the patriot movement, the people that are in the know, the, the, the one to two to whatever percent of the population to three percent that are going to resist. If we can con them into believing that we have the medical solution for Ebola or whatever Insert name of whatever pandemic. Okay, you're talking about here. I, I did a did a 14 city tour back in 06 through the Prophecy Club, and this is what I talked about. This exact thing that we're dealing with today, but back then it was H5N1 avian bird flu, which is still terrible. Ebola though is way worse as far as as far as the kill rate. As far as the agony of death that it produces, um, as far as how it's spread, because, and we're going to get into to that in, 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 in depth on, on different ways it can be spread and why somebody with particularly end-stage Ebola would be a much greater vector for transmission of Ebola than, let's say, an avian bird flu that isn't bleeding out of every orifice in the body and going into convulsions in the end stages, flinging blood everywhere. Because that's how Ebola kills you. Okay, it's, it's about as bad as it gets. And, and thinking also this, here's another thing they accomplished by doing that. And I know I'm giving a lot away already, I'm sorry. Um, but another thing they accomplished is, you have to understand, fallen angels, demons, devils, Satan malevolent evil people feed off negative energy 
They literally feed off fear. They feed off death. They feed off agony. It's literally negative energy. Okay? They love it. They eat it up like cotton candy at the fair. I mean that literally. Okay? That is another thing they would accomplish through Ebola. Because it doesn't get much worse as far as dying than, than Ebola. You know, you well, you could set somebody on fire and that would be... No, but that's going to be relatively quick in relation to the more prolonged death of Ebola. So, I have said this since 06, and even before that, that I always felt, if you were Satan, wouldn't this be the most logical card to play to not only get out of hot water like Obama is in, but to ultimately be able to implement martial law, to ultimately be able to close, uh, um, uh, put everybody on lockdown, to enact all of these executive orders that are already on the books, where they can literally come in and do whatever they want, take everything from you, including yourself, to put you in concentration camps, stuff like that. Now, I'm not, and I don't mean to say that to scare everybody, I'm saying those are the executive orders on the books. The Lord Jesus Christ can protect you in any situation you are in, though. Remember that, above all. Okay? Because, again, I'm not here to just, like, be some big fear monger and and, and get everybody... I want to build your faith. I don't want to decrease it. But I also, at the same time, have to inform you of what I think their agenda is. What they would like to happen. Like, if, if God wasn't in the equation at all, this is how they would want things to go down. And, but he is, much to their chagrin, the Lord Jesus Christ is much in the equation, and he always does preserve a remnant, and maybe, maybe um, there's going to be certain people in the remnant that aren't spared, and that are, let's say, martyred, or that are taken, but absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But we need to have the faith to believe that God can protect us in any situation, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's, that also goes, and I want to say this right up front, that also goes for if you can't afford anything that I suggest today from a proactive standpoint, whether it be the, the vitamins or minerals that protect the immune system, um, whether it be um, colloidal silver, whether it be whatever, God can still protect you. So I don't want to get up here and say, you've got to buy this, because if you don't, you're going to... No, no, no. I'm not going to do that. I will inform you what I believe that the Lord showed me about this, but you know what? He's the master physician. So, if you're somebody that doesn't have the means to procure these things, you know what? The Lord Jesus Christ knows that. And he can still protect you. You know, apart from any whiz-bang thing that you could do for your immune system. So, bear that in mind also. I'm here to try to build up your faith and to prepare you body, soul, and spirit. And that's why, that's what I'm all about. That's what I want to do. So, um, I really didn't even want to do this teaching today, to be quite honest with you. Because, you know, it's really heavy duty. And I've talked a lot in past things about proactive things you can do, pandemics. This is very much, though, on almost another level of pandemics that I've ever talked about. When you talk about Ebola and all of the different little schemes and ways they can get it into America and all, and the different action by, by which it works and how it's so much more contagious, particularly in an end-stage patient 
and what I see the agenda being, that, that I really kind of felt compelled to just say, well, listen, i got to go ahead and do this and um, uh, give you the resources uh, that I know about. So, anyway, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the study. We've got a lot to cover today. Um, this next is a, it's a little quick video. And it's entitled, Alert, CDC Sees Airborne Ebola Transmission. Centers for Disease Control, that's when you say CDC is what it means. Issues guidance for aircraft flight crews, cleaning, and cargo crews. The CDC has just issued an, <coughs> excuse me, an interim guidance about Ebola virus infection for airline flight crews, cleaning personnel, and cargo personnel. This guide is heavily directed at preventing airborne transmission within the aircraft, um, and there was actually an update to this where this just came out a few days ago where the president released an executive order making both Ebola and MERS, which is another uh, one of these potential pandemics, quarantinable, communicable diseases under the definition of SARS, which we've heard about SARS over in the Orient eh, over a decade ago, I believe it was. Um, this means Ebola cases could be quarantined without having to publicly identify them as being Ebola cases. We're going to talk more about that later. Okay. Again, the thing is, is they're the, the uh, good old Prez, um, Devil Boy Obama, is signing all of these executive orders into place. There's all of these legislations being put into place and have already been where it's, it's looking very, very, very suspicious. Like, why are you doing this right now? When all of this stuff is going down, when your popularity is tanking more than it ever has, where people are actually getting their eyes open to see you for the devil that you are, for the Illuminati satanic puppet that you are. And this may be their plan to try to, you know, get him out of hot water. So I'm going to go ahead and play this video. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and roll the video. Airborne Ebola alert from the Potter blog site, July 30th, 2014. The Centers for Disease Control has released guidance to aircraft crews. They're targeting uh, flight crews, cleaning crews, and cargo crews. And reading through this document, it's clear that the CDC sees Ebola as being human-to-human airborne transmissible, as in you cough, the person next to you gets it. Now we'll go into this in a quick bit of detail. The three things that jumped out of that document at us. First is that they see this uh, concern as being primarily airborne. They keep the sick person separated from their the flight. They tell the flight crews, keep the sick person separated from others as much as possible. Provide the sick person with a surgical mask to reduce the number of droplets expelled into the air by talking, sneezing, or coughing. If the person can't tolerate a surgical mask, give them... Uh, tissues and a plastic bag to put them in and wear disposable gloves when direct contact with body fluid. They're also directing the flight crews not to use compressed air to clean the aircraft. Quote, do not use compressed air which might spread infectious material through the air. And then the third thing is the CDC is once again threatening legal action for flight crews that uh, don't report passenger illness. Now, uh, we've reported on that in some detail in uh, previous posts, but uh, here it says clearly, required by law to report. 
And we have a link to this on our site. Now, the other thing you might not know is that uh, the two missionaries uh, that have come down with Ebola in Africa, uh, at least one of them is based uh, out of Charlotte, Charlotte, North Carolina. Today they had a suspected case of Ebola in Charlotte, North Carolina. The hospital did not test this person for Ebola because they tested positive for malaria. Now think about that for a second. Malaria tests are known to have a high false positive rate. Early on, Ebola shows similar symptoms to malaria. And having malaria does not preclude one from also having Ebola. Now, as we speak, 60 exposed missionaries are going to evacuate Africa. We believe back to Charlotte, North Carolina, where they're, uh, where they're based out of. So the person that this hospital uh, went into lockdown for it seems they're directly connected to these uh, Ebola missionaries uh, that went to Africa. The, we see this as the height of medical irresponsibility. And it's important to note that when and if Ebola does enter the United States, there will be pressures to underreport it. Because the big threat from Ebola is that people will panic and freak out and will cause economic damage. The immediate impact from Ebola will be that it will shut down hospitals and funeral homes uh, when it does hit. Now, the Department of Defense has deployed Back in April, they deployed Ebola detection kits to National Guard units in all 50 states. Uh, they're called, uh, this is a JB AIDS unit. And if you see that... He's showing this online, and I think he's going to say, if you see this, if you see anybody having these in your area, and particularly it'd be like military, and, you know, um, this is a strong indicator that they might have detected Ebola in your area, or they're suspecting it. Us deployed somewhere in use. I mean, something very serious is going on. And again, you can watch the video. I'll give you the link to it, and you can actually see what it looks like. And as part of this JBAIDS unit, they're also carried on the uh, JBPDS unit. Now, this is the actual thing that carries one of these units, and it's very—it's a very distinctive-looking army-like. Jeep. It's not a Humvee. It's more looking like a Jeep with a big, like, you know how you see, like, pickup trucks and they have, like, the the camper, like, literally on the bed? It would be like one of those on steroids. Uh, it'd almost be like if you saw one of these um, conversion campers where they've literally got a camper, like, on the bed of a of a of a long of a long uh, pickup truck, uh, where you can literally go in there and sleep and stuff like that. It's kind it's kind of like that, and it's got a lot of these things on the roof that I'm sure are measuring air quality and things of that nature. What you see here, this Humvee, this Humvee detects airborne biological. And again, it doesn't look like a Humvee to me, but I don't know whatever he says. Logical uh, uh, contamination. And uh, note the chimneys here. These three chimneys here. Is this can be a standalone unit, and the person operating this Humvee will have this JBAs unit with them also. So if you see this unit, or this unit, or even the back of this unit set up somewhere, please let us know. This is an alternate vehicle that accomplishes the same thing, because this is a significant sign that something is really, really going wrong. 
Okay, so that was that video. Uh, not a lot of videos today. <clears throat> like last week, we had a lot of audios, but today not not near as many. Uh, so they're releasing these things now with with these uh, flight crews now. So uh, and these are interim guidance about Ebola virus infection for airline flight crews, uh, cleaning personnel, and cargo personnel. So they're in, instituting this. I would imagine on all airline flights and um, kind of be on the lookout for this type of stuff. <clears throat> now, let's go further. Obama signs executive order to allow detention of Americans with respiratory illness amendment comes in the wake of Ebola scare. And as Ebola outbreak continues to cause concern, President Barack Obama has signed an amendment to executive to an executive order that would allow him to mandate the apprehension and detention of Americans who merely show signs of respiratory illness. Well, how broad could that be? I mean, you could have, you know, a chest cold. Well, no, we're going to apprehend you and, de- and put you in detention. I mean, this is a... And they could use that excuse as well, even if you didn't have that. They could say you did. You know, you see how <clears throat> draconian that could potentially be. The executive order, titled Revised List of Quarantinable Communicable Diseases, amends Executive Order 13295, there's links to all of these if you want to explore them individually, which was passed by George W. Bush in April of 2003. <clears throat> this allows for the apprehension, detention, or conditional release of individuals to prevent the introduction, transmission, or spread of suspected communicable diseases. This amendment signed by Obama replaces subsection B of the original Bush executive order, which referred only to SARS. The Obama's amendment allows for detention of Americans who display, quote, severe acute respiratory syndromes, which are diseases that are associated with fever and signs and symptoms of pneumonia or other respiratory illnesses and are capable of being transmitted from person to person and that either are causing or have potential to cause a pandemic, or upon infection, are highly likely to cause mortality or serious morbidity if not properly controlled. Although Ebola was listed on the original executive order signed by Bush, Obama's amendment ensures that Americans who merely show signs of respiratory illness, with the exception of influenza, can be forcibly detained by medical authorities. But how are they going to know it's influenza? I mean, all you'd have to do is have a you know, supposedly a bad chess cold, if they'd even consider that. I mean, I don't know. Very, very <clears throat> draconian. Although the quarantining of people suspected of being infected with Ebola virus seems like a perfectly logical move, the actual preconditions for this to happen aren't restricted to just those suffering from the disease. As we highlighted earlier this week, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has measures in place for dealing with an outbreak of a communicable disease which allow for the quarantine of, quote, well persons who do not show symptoms of the disease. So CDC, they already have this in place. You don't even have to show symptoms. Well persons. Well, then what possible, you know, well, you were, we think you were exposed to somebody, and we're going we're gonna to quarantine you, even though you're not showing any symptoms, even though you're well right now, we're going to quarantine you because we think you're going to. Uh, that could be a big-time excuse to take a lot of people away 
that has that that this has nothing to do with. You know what I mean? They could use that as an excuse, and they, you could just be a person on their quote list. So bear that in mind as well. And this is again. So why did that teach it on Psalm sixty four, where it says, you know, you're asking God to hide you from the secret counsel of the wicked and from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity, and that is a huge thing regarding the day and times we're moving into. If you haven't heard that teaching, I highly recommend it. Just key in the word Psalm in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com and you'll see Psalm 64 in Precatory Prayers. Um, uh, a Believer's Door of Hope, I believe is what's entitled. That's something very, very important to have that concept. So, let's go further. <clears throat> in addition... Under the Model State Emergency Health Powers Act, public health authorities and governors would be given expanded police powers to seize control of communication devices, public and private property, as well as a host of other draconian measures in the event of a public health emergency. Now, again, this is just a matter of time. I am absolutely amazed. I didn't think... I really didn't know. When I was doing that tour back in 06, I didn't know if I was going to get through the tour before this happened. Um, they were literally airing on air, like, pandemic shows while I was on tour. I didn't know when it was going to be released or if it was going to be released. The fact that it's eight years later, and that's about how long the ministry's uh, been. We started on Sermon Audio, then we transferred out of there, and, and we started our own website, which is where we've been ever since. But the fact that it's been eight years and this hasn't happened yet is an absolute miracle from God. Um, it's it's the grace of God. It's God's mercy. It's all I can really say. Because I know they've wanted to pull this off a long time ago. Something like this. And um, they haven't been able to do so yet. But I, believe, I do believe it's just a matter of time before something like this happens. They've just set up too many things. Too many things have been put in place and are being put into place as we speak regarding something like this, whether it's Ebola or some other pandemic. So, going further, when the legislation was introduced, the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons warned that it it could turn governors into dictators. There's probably going to... With something like this, there's probably, with the legislation they already have in place, there's probably nothing worse that could happen where we could have a police state. More than this. Where they would have more things they would enact all at the same time to turn, to just lock down the whole country. More than this. I mean, if a natural disaster happens, fine, but it's not like people are going around and potentially infecting one another in a natural disaster. Yeah, I could see martial law in that scenario, but why would you really need to lock down the borders? Why would you really need to, like, place everybody under, like, house um, arrest or quarantine or whatever? There really wouldn't be a reason to in a natural disaster scenario. But in this scenario, there would be. Where they could restrict all movement and just take away all the rights. This, to me, is the, is the, is the best way to achieve that. Yesterday it was reported that Emory University Hospital in Atlanta was set to receive a patient infected with Ebola. That's already happened. We'll talk about that. 
A hospital in Germany also accepted an, an infected patient or, earlier this week. <clears throat> Some critics have raised concerns about the risk of deliberately importing infected individuals into the West. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk more about that. Next report. Uh, Ebola, medical martial law. Merely the suspicion of a limited Ebola outbreak in the United States would give the green light for federal authorities to seize draconian powers and detain Americans not even infected with the Ebola virus. We're going to play another brief video here. With the Ebola virus having claimed 729 lives, the World Health Organization say... That's actually me talking just with a British accent. Sorry, I'm just messing around. ...is that the crisis is out of control. But how is this going to potentially impact the United States? Today, New York City conducted its largest ever SNAP surprise bioterror response drill. On this occasion, based around a hypothetical airborne release of anthrax, but obviously no coincidence given the current Ebola crisis. And of course, after Germany imported an Ebola victim, a US aid worker was transferred from West Africa to a hospital in Atlanta, prompting criticism as to why Western governments are deliberately bringing in Ebola sufferers when the virus has no known cure. And of course we have to understand that it won't take an Ebola pandemic in the United States to prompt panic. Merely the suspicion of Ebola spreading in America would grind air travel and commerce to a halt. This map was widely reported today. It shows the CDC's quarantine stations, their relative positions across the country. But what most people don't realize is that if Ebola hits the US and the CDC enacts its public emergency procedures, even healthy Americans will be quarantined. A page on the CDC's official website entitled Legal Authorities for Isolation and Quarantine states that even well persons and persons who, quote, do not show symptoms can and will be forcibly quarantined. In addition, yesterday, President Obama signed an amendment to an executive order which allows for the detention of Americans merely with any kind of respiratory illness. The executive order amends 13375, which was originally signed by George W. Bush in April 2003, to state that any American with acute respiratory syndromes, including fever, signs and symptoms of pneumonia, or other respiratory illnesses, basically any respiratory illness, are subject to the original April 4, 2003 Bush executive order which allows for the, quote, apprehension and detention of aforementioned sufferers of respiratory illnesses. In addition, under the Model State Emergency Health Powers Act, passed in the wake of 9-11, provisions of which have been adopted in part or in full by 33 U.S. states, federal health authorities would be able to usurp authoritarian powers to control an Ebola outbreak. And it's no surprise that at the time, the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons warned that the legislation, quote, could turn governors into dictators because the act would empower federal authorities to seize all kinds of draconian powers, 
including the right to seize any and all public and private property. So given what's on the books in terms of how federal authorities will deal, remember merely with the suspicion, the potential of an Ebola outbreak, not necessarily a pandemic in the United States, the prospective power grab that we could witness as a result of this crisis is unprecedented. This is Paul Joseph. So, yeah, well put. Uh, the potential power grab, as I've just kind of highlighted, is would be just unprecedented regarding anything, particularly we've ever seen in America, um, and, and I would venture to say most places uh, on the planet, because this would probably take place from a power grab standpoint all across the globe. So, let's go further. Um, <clears throat> Ebola quarantine stations are established in El Paso, Los Angeles, and 18 other cities. Again, you're not really hearing about this on the news, maybe on like the Drudge Report or other alternative media, but not on mainstream news that I that I am aware of. This starts out by saying, I have an idea, let's bring Ebola here instead of worrying about it coming here unexpectedly. If we are going to put 300 million people in jeopardy, it should be our choice to do so rather than having it come by surprise. By now you have surely heard that at least one patient is set to arrive for treatment at a hospital in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, that's already happened. I am seeing reports today that it might actually be two patients and who says they will stop there. A few days ago, Dave Hodges reported that the CDC is quietly setting up Ebola quarantine stations across the U.S. There's a link to that story. Um, I also took a lot of flack for running that article on my website. As usual, I was called a conspiracy theorist who was trying to scare people. Am I trying to scare you? Yes, I am. I have never denied that I tried to scare people just because something has to be done to awaken people out of their stupor. We can scare you with the facts just as easily with fantasy because things are uh, because things really are that bad. In other words, they you can use legitimate facts like we've been co covering today to scare people if you like because you know they really are that bad. I mean, the stuff that we're talking about, these executive orders and the things that the CDC is doing is not our imagination. They're verifiable things that, that are being done. Not only is Ebola set to arrive voluntarily in the United States at any time, it's already happened, now we're starting to see evidence of those stations, he called them centers, that Dave was talking about, these quarantine centers for Ebola. A local CBS affiliate in Los Angeles is reporting, quote, the Centers for Disease Control have established a quarantine station at LAX, meaning their Los Angeles airport, to prevent the spread of the deadly Ebola virus from passengers coming off international flights. CDC is warning Americans to avoid the Ebola-ravaged nations of Liberia, Sierra Leone, and Guinea, where more than 700 people have died. Tom Bradley of the International Terminal now, uh, Tom, Tom Bradley International Terminal, meaning that airport, now has a CDC quarantine station where health officials will determine whether a sick person getting off an international flight can enter the country. All of this seems perfectly logical, except for the fact that we are bringing this disease to America. <clears throat> we aren't just preparing for the worst, we are bringing it in here. It has, has it started to sink in yet? As for the American aid workers that are mentioned, as well as doctors and the nurses who have become infected, do you not think the precautions were taken in these instances? 
Ebola is not something that one should invite into their living room, meaning we shouldn't be flying it in here. <clears throat> the KVIA.com and ABC affiliate is reporting that, quote, the Centers for Disease Control has designated El Paso as one of the 20 quarantine stations for the Ebola virus. The CDC released a map showing 20 quarantine stations designated across the country, including El Paso, mostly where international travelers arrive. The CDC website seems to be suffering from some issues today that might be caused by heavy traffic. The, the navigation is off, and I have not been able to download the map or see it. However, I can tell you that San Francisco and Houston are mentioned as quarantine stations as well. I also temporarily, temporarily found an East Coast map, but the page crashed. <clears throat> Again, all of this would make sense as being precautionary if, if we were not allowing illegal aliens with dangerous diseases into the country and if we were not willingly endangering the lives of people by bringing Ebola to America. Why use the back door when the front door works just fine? This is either incredibly stupid or part of the plan. Either way, America is now playing with fire. So, that's another viewpoint on it. This is from Natural News. And this report reads, Despite the fact that doctors in Africa cannot keep Ebola from spreading... The United States officials brought an affected patient into the country only days after President Obama signed an executive order mandating the detention of Americans who show signs of, quote, respiratory illness. A patient infected with Ebola is being flown into the United States to be held for medical uh, examination and treatment at Emory University in Atlanta, reports The Guardian. Again, this has already happened, is happening and the patient is reportedly one of the American doctors who was recently infected with the disease. This event will make the first time in history that a level 4 biohazard infectious agent is being flown by air into a large U.S. city while still multiplying inside a living patient. I mean, what could go wrong? This startling revelation brings up all sorts of questions that range from the uh, gullible gullibly hopeful to the impossibly sinister. It sounds like the perfect script for a horror movie. A virus with no vaccine and no cure, we're going to talk about that later, but from a medical standpoint, no vaccine and no cure kills hundreds of people despite containment efforts. It keeps spreading, but it's actually all too real in West Africa, where doctors have said Ebola is out of control. That statement was wrote by Sheila M. Eldred of Discovery News. Hospitals in America may not fare any better considering that antibiotic-resistant nightmare bacteria spread from one medical facility in 2001 to 46 states by 2013. Now, this is the whole antibiotic-resistant um, super strains that have been ever-increasingly forming in hospitals, in people, as incubation chambers, since the modern-day advent of using antibiotics, the antibiotics have created these super strains of um, bacteria. Now, remember, antibiotics don't work on viruses anyway, okay? Viral, antivirals don't really even work that great at all from a medical standpoint. Um, but antibiotics don't work on, on viruses at all. They're not meant to work on that. They're only meant to work on certain strains, and what happens is these strains... Typically, uh, because it's like survival of the fittest, will will um, uh, 
only the strongest strains will survive. They mutate, and basically then those antibiotics don't work on them anymore, or you have to give them massive doses, and this is why we have all of these super strains now forming, like MRSA, multiple resistant staph aureus is what that stands for. It's the whole that flesh-eating staph. There's a lot of different ones as well. So we're in a really bad situation in America regarding this, and now we're importing Ebola into the country on top of this. So um, allegedly the Ebola carriers will be quarantined in special rooms, but we already know that American hospitals cannot even contain staph infections. What happens to the utensils, plates, cups, glasses with which the Ebola-infected person persons eat and drink, and who gets to clean the bedpans? One slip-up by a person, one tear in a rubber glove, glove, and the virus is loose. This really highlights the reckless nature of the global elite, the government officials for importing the virus into the country, which has no specific treatment, and the mortality rate of up to 90%. 90%. This thing has a mortality rate of up to. At the same time, we cannot refute the fact that there are drug company profit interests at stake in all this. The worst... The worse the Ebola problem becomes, the more money can be made from future Ebola vaccines or any viral drug treatments. We already know one company called Tecmyra has already been awarded $140 million contract by the Department of Defense for its Ebola drug development program. At an even spookier level, we also know that Ebola is one of the most easily weaponized viruses on the planet. Can you imagine if they like put this in a bomb, a, some kind of biological bomb that was meant to go off like over detonate over a city or something? I mean, I don't mean really detonate where it detonates and kills the virus. I mean detonate where it's released. Okay, a weaponized version. We're talking. I can't even comprehend. We also know the U.S. Department of Defense has already developed weaponized strains of Ebola and keeps them in super-cooled and level 4 biohazard facilities somewhere. This is justified on the grounds of, quote, national defense, of course, just in case the survival of the nation one day depends on deploying a global killer virus on an enemy. So, in other words, we have these things from a biological warfare standpoint waiting in the wings um, to, let's say, be implemented in, let's say, an enemy country. If, for like a worst case scenario. <clears throat> Again, though, you look at the people in charge of, of who would who would be in charge of actually releasing something like that. And these are the very people that want to bring about an over 90% depopulation of the planet. So, <laughs> not a great scenario. <clears throat> Going further, it says you can bet blood samples from the patient will be shared with the Pentagon virologist just in case it's some new strain with a mutation that makes it even a better bioweapon than the military already has. To understand Ebola prevention, you first need to understand how it spreads. Ebola is a level 4 biohazard virus. It spreads so easily and quickly that even well-trained doctors wearing protective masks and gloves keep getting infected from nearby patients. An Ebola infection only requires a single viral organism to enter your body. Wow. One single viral organism to enter your body. That's all it takes. Usually through your mouth or eyes. A person who rubs their eyes with the finger can instantly cause an Ebola infection of a single virus that was resting on the finger. 
Ebola can spread through aerosols, meaning liquid particles suspended in the air. Now, see, they're saying it can't for the most part. They said, well, it's only it's only if you... Uh, there's really no risk of airborne transmission because you have to come in contact with bodily fluids like blood and, you know, mucus or feces or vomit or whatever. That's how they're, they're saying it. But that's not true. That's not true. This thing... Now, granted... <clears throat> You, it's not the normal route, the way the, the way that people get infected, but it can spread through aerosols, meaning liquid particles suspended in the air. When a person infected with Ebola sneezes, or vomits, or coughs, they can create Ebola aerosols. So it can spread by air. Okay? A 1 to 10 aerosolized organisms are sufficient to cause infection in a human. Meaning... Let's say you're near them. They cough. One Ebola aerosolized virus, you breathe it in or it gets in your eye. Or let's say a cut you have, something. That is enough to infect you. That was explained by the Public Health Agency of Canada. This is, and this is all referenced, what I'm saying to you here. This is how Ebola becomes airborne, even when it's not traditionally categorized as an airborne disease. So see, they're saying, well, it's, it's just, you know, they make you think that you're going to have to be, like, getting their blood on you or something to get it. And that's not the case at all. I think it's more of a cover-up than anything else. Sanitizing surfaces is a significant part of any defense against Ebola. It is well established that Ebola can be killed with sodium hypochlorite, which is also known as bleach. <clears throat> it's also killed with methyl alcohol. Triton X100 in UV radiation. I would also venture to say it can be killed through um, uh, ozone. And we're going to get into that later. Um, <clears throat> like a good ozonator for your house, for cleansing the air. They've even got personal ones. I've got a couple of them um, for Taylor and myself that you can buy online. You can get the... the, the you can literally wear them on plane flights around your neck. Uh, now, granted, that is not fail-safe. If you were suspecting that, I mean, if you had to fly and you had a couple of these in, in let's say, the personal ozonators, um, you'd also want to wear some type of mask because you're trying to eliminate any potential of these aerosolized um, <clears throat> Ebola viruses coming in contact you know, getting into your lung fields, or even getting into your eyes. So, I'm not saying we need to go to that great a length yet, but I'm just telling you from a practical standpoint how to prevent it. Um, <clears throat> these are some things you can think about. I'm going to get into a lot of other things later. Okay, I'm going to get into a lot of proactive things that you can do regarding this. Not just one thing either. I'm going to a lot of different things that you could think of um, to do. So let's go further here, because I like to I, I like to just not give you the the problem. I want to give you the the solution as well. So uh, UV radiation is also another thing. So this means sunlight kills Ebola. So I would imagine what that would mean is on a sunny day, if you were outside, it would be much less likely that you're going to contract it. I mean, unless you were in close proximity to somebody that had Ebola and they coughed and you breathe that in. You know, I guess that would be 
one of the only ways you could get it. Um, this is why they're saying you don't find much Ebola in the deserts of the world. The pathogen tends to come out of humid jungle areas that are dark and damp. There's not as much sunlight. The UV would actually kill the virus. Okay, so also that would be something to think about as far as purifying drinking water. If you suspected that the drinking water had been contaminated, UV, you, they've got uh, these UV um, little like pens you can buy. You can literally go in there and, and um, UV treat your water. Okay, now it's not going to like take poisons out of the water, but it, it the UV is very good for viruses and bacteria and stuff like that. Okay, it has its limitations, but it is very good from that standpoint. Obviously, boiling your water would would be um, a way to do it as well. Okay, um, that's another way that you could think about. Uh, and I'm, I'm talking about like worst case scenarios if you were if you were like suspecting things. So, if it were to invade the USA, it would be far more successful in places like Florida and Louisiana where heat and humidity are commonplace. Well, yeah, but there's also a lot of sun, like in Florida, so, you know. Anyway, let's go further. Everybody knows a global pandemic is coming sooner or later. The very structure of human society with high-density cities and rapid air travel creates a, quote, perfect storm for the spread of infectious disease. Ebola has a fatality rate of 50 to 90% depending on the strain. Okay. So, it causes severe immunosuppression and often leads to death by internal dehydration from the inability of the intestines to absorb water. People with suppressed immune systems seem to be especially vulnerable to Ebola. So, one of the most obvious defensive strategies is to support your own immune system with, uh, with the following nutrients. Now, they listed these, and what I did is I expanded on them. They listed uh, vitamin D, but more specifically vitamin D3, and more specifically, <clears throat> vitamin D3 from some type of whole food source, okay, which is very hard to find because most of it's synthetic garbage. Almost every vitamin and mineral is is either synthetic or from an inorganic source. If you buy them, like in a particularly like a Walmart or a drugstore type scenario, it's garbage. You might as well, you know, just don't waste your money. So, vitamin D3, I've done a lot of reports on that. Uh, you can even do a keyword search for it. I give you a link here to the one that I recommend, the one that Innate Response Formulas has. It's the one I carry. It's the one that I recommend. I don't know of anybody else that does this in a whole food form. Uh, not easy. And that's why there's very few companies that, that do it or even have the technology to make vitamins from whole foods. But if you think about it, if you get vitamin D3 in nature, you're either going to get it through sunlight, which is the primary best way to get it, is, is through exposure to sunlight on the skin. That's the primary way your body literally makes it. Okay. And then the second best source is going to be in your diet from some food source. So that's the way God intended it to be. He didn't intend it to be where Hoffman LaRoche goes in and synthetically manufactures some synthetic vitamin, like vitamin D, and then puts it in a capsule and says, this is the same thing that occurs in nature. No, it's not. It's like a drug version of the vitamin. It's a synthetic version of that vitamin that would naturally occur in nature. It's no good. Especially long-term, it's no good. So, I give you a link to that product if you want to know a little, know a little bit more about it. And then zinc... 
is also another one that's really good for, uh, <clears throat> helps your immune system resist infections. Also, D3 is also known as specifically antiviral. Very, very good for your immune system, but it's known specifically as antiviral. Uh, zinc, the one I use is called Zinc Liver Chelate by Standard Process. Um, again, I like it because it's in a whole food base. You go to a health food store, you're going to get a zinc, typically, that is in a, um, oh, it, it's going to be synthetic, or it's going to be from an inorganic source, or not on a food base. So, um, Garden of, oh, there's a couple brands, I think Mega Foods and Garden of Life, I think, make vitamins that are more of a whole food nature. Check the labels. That could be some alternatives for you there. Um, but I'm talking about, you know, trying to get, I'm trying to only point you to companies that just derive their nutrients from whole food bases. Because uh, that's the way God intended it. Uh, selenium, which I believe is... If you could only do two things to have on hand for Ebola in particular, it is, I believe, the the 5,000 part per million or 10,000 part per million and five mild silver protein, and I'm going to get into that later, and selenium. And this whole food selenium by innate response formulas is the best, as far as I know. Uh, it's highly antiviral... And it is a proven fact, and we're going to get into this a little bit later, that selenium deficiency is a huge common denominator in these countries that are having these Ebola outbreaks. Selenium. Hugely important. Okay? But again, most of what you would go and get in, uh, I'd venture to say 98, 99% of what you're going to get in a health food store or a Walmart or whatever is going to be derived from synthetic or inorganic sources. And you don't want that if you can avoid it. Um, <clears throat> so selenium is, is, the, is the big one with Ebola. Um, also a whole food, um, full spectrum, plant-derived vitamin C. Uh, the one, two I like from Innate Response Formulas, C-Complete Powder. They make a powder, like a vitamin C whole food blend. And then they also make the C400 tablets. Now, they only make that 180 count bottle. So some of my listeners who've ordered for me in the past, um, they were able to order 90. I think I've got a couple left. But now they only make it in a 180. Why? I have no idea. You know, I, I I read them the Riot Act about some of the product line changes they made. They eliminated some very important products. And they have only got this available in a 180-count bottle now. Why? I have no idea. I give you the link to that. But the reality is, regarding the vitamin C, it's something you should have a lot on hand. Um, it's the product I take pretty much every day to keep my immune system functioning at a high level. If I could only do one thing... From a vitamin standpoint, that would probably be it. Now, you have to understand, the invived mild silver protein, silver protein acts as a secondary immune system in the body. Things like vitamin C, whole food, selenium, zinc, D3, what they do is they literally feed your primary immune system in the body. 
This is the immune system that would ramp up when it sees a virus or bacteria. It would communicate with your thymus gland, which is behind your breastbone, and say, oh, wow, we've got a problem here. Okay, we've got a bacteria, we've got a virus, we've got something on the radar here that we haven't even seen, and we need to ramp up. The problem with something like Ebola, particularly if the government's got their, their little mitts on it, and weaponized it or modified it, is that it can kill you before your body can do anything about it. It has that potential because it's so virulent, it's so just off the scale evil what it does to your body that had your body had the time to ramp up, it'd be one thing, even if you're functioning at a very, very high level. But it may not have enough time. Now, granted, the stronger your immune system is, the better. You want that. Uh, ultimately, what it'll mean is that you won't have to take as much of the silver if you were, let's say, let's say you contracted something like Ebola. What it would mean is that you wouldn't, you would go in in a much better state. You would ultimately not be sick near as long. You wouldn't have to take near as much of, of the mild silver protein because you'd be over it quicker, uh, and you just get through it a lot faster. And it, it's just that you wouldn't want to just rely, like if you had a totally immunosuppressed patient and they contract something like Ebola, you wouldn't just have to rely on something like mild silver protein. I'm not saying it couldn't be done, but you want your primary immune system as strong as possible because the Invive or anything like colloidal silver acts like a secondary immune system in the body. A secondary. I mean, it's like a backup. And it's one that you can really pump a lot into. Like, you can take a lot of the Invive mild silver protein if you need to in order to um, overcome a just viral storm, is how they're, I believe, referred to. Where you've got so many of these things multiplying in your body, your primary just can't keep up with it. So you take something like the colloidal silver at, at a very high part per million, and you can overcome that, Lord willing, um, with enough part per million. And this is why I don't, I don't advocate low part per million silver. We're going to get into that later, especially for stuff like this, where it's life or death. Now, let's go further. And um, I give you links to all of these products if you want to check them out more. Uh so another thing you can do is stop suppressing your own immune system <clears throat> through other things. It's also a good idea to stop suppressing your immune system on a day-to-day -day basis. How do people suppress their immune systems? Number one, lack of sleep. Two, consumption of processed junk foods. Three, consumption of medications. Uh, I would also have to add into this consumption of coffee uh, or caffeine. Particularly coffee, for me, really knocks my immune system down. I I'm just sensitive to it. Really sensitive. So, you, I'm not saying you can't ever drink coffee, but just remember, some people, it really knocks their immune system down and um, sets you up for getting sick. Nothing does that more in, for me personally than coffee. So, bear that in mind. Smoking cigarettes, another thing. Um, sedentary lifestyles, avoidance of exercise, avoidance of sunlight, um, not spending enough time in nature... And again, you get into the whole D3 thing there. Avoidance of sunlight. Not only are you stimulating your pineal gland, um, and which also there's a hormonal cascade that takes place there, but you're also totally limiting D3 production. And these people that go out and totally cover every, every part of their body, 
like they wear totally long sleeve shirt, hats, making sure they get no sunlight. That is just crazy. Okay, if you're that prone to skin cancer, it's because you're low in things like, um, uh, well, D3, <laughs> um, which is made by the sunlight. It's produced when the sunlight hits your skin and it's produced in the skin. It's literally a hormone, even though it's called vitamin D or D3. Um, people that are prone to, to skin cancer, now I understand, you can have a genetic predisposition. And yes, you could have um, somebody that's very fair skin and, and that sets them up. I, I get all that. But I'm talking about, that's not normal still, to be getting skin cancer. Things you can do to prevent that, making sure your calcium levels are high enough. And I mean a really good form of calcium. Um, when I use from standard processes, calcium lactate, your soft tissues in your skin have to have enough calcium in, and that has a lot to do with skin health. Okay. It also has a lot to do with white blood cell formation, which also has a lot to do with your immune system. A lot of this stuff I'm getting into is kind of technical and, and stuff out of the, my research over the years. So I'm not going to go into it, elaborate on it, but I've got whole files in this stuff. Um, enough omega-3 fatty acids. That's also some very, very protective for your skin. Flax oil is probably the best that will actually literally take calcium from the bloodstream and store it in the skin and the soft tissue, which is a protective factor. F does, it's actually called vitamin F in the research that I have, um, which is flaxseed oil. F does the exact opposite of D3. D3 takes calcium out of the soft tissues and puts it into the bloodstream. The F factor, or let's say the flaxseed oil, takes it out of the bloodstream and puts it back in the soft tissue. Both are very important. Both are very important for skin health. Um, make sure if you get flax oil, that if you're going to get the oil, get it only refrigerated. Make sure you get the black bottle. Barleen's, it's in the health food stores, well, at least in America. And it's in airtight bottles. And uh, make sure you always keep it refrigerated. And make sure it never gets exposed to air. Because flaxseed oil is incredibly volatile. It goes rancid incredibly quickly and easily. Um, I use Cataplex F from Standard Process. Um, that's a good one. And um, Linum B6 is another one they make that is the flax in a capsule. In a capsule, or in a, in a gel peril where it's not prone to have oxygen hit it. In other words, turning it rancid. Um, those are very important for skin health. Things like low antioxidants, that totally sets you up for skin cancer. Antioxidants are what quench the free radicals. So these are things that set you up for, for skin cancer. So anyway, I just want to touch on that. So going further, um, nutritional deficiencies, these are things that suppress the immune system. N nutritional deficiencies of important minerals like zinc, uh, eight, chemotherapy and radiation therapies. Nine, exposure to pesticides, herbicides, glycophosphate, and other chemicals. Um, and then eating GMOs. And a lot of people are doing a lot of these things and they're not really realizing it's just a part of their everyday life and they're not realizing that they're actually basically killing themselves slowly. The last... One is a huge point. Eating GMOs suppresses the immune system so much that I believe the most likely people to die in the next pandemic that sweeps through North America are those who eat a lot of GMOs. And to avoid this, buy organic and locally grown organic is even probably better. Uh, they're doing these things, and then you could add chemtrails, and then you could add fluoride and chlorine in the water, 
they're in all of the other ways they're trying to kill us. They're doing these things so that in the eventuality that we do have a pandemic, most of the populace will be walking around with such a poorly functioning immune system, they'll be easy to knock off. That's why. They've been setting us up for this for years. And then you have the vaccinations that totally destroy and decimate immune system function. Then you have all the antibiotics that are literally built into the meat products that we eat. If, we, if you're not eating organic, particularly. Like, they feed the chickens, they feed the cows tons of antibiotics because they cram them in so much, such small areas that if one gets sick, the whole herd or the whole chicken flock will die. So they feed a massive amounts of antibiotics that gets concentrated in the meat. You eat the meat, it kills your intestinal flora, which also is another huge aspect of your immune system. Okay, So if you get a flora product, make sure it's refrigerated. I would talk to the health food store owner and say, what's your best one? And um, uh, it's, they're, not, they're not cheap. Flora is not a cheap product, typically, if you get a good one. Take it on an empty stomach. Make sure it's multi-strain where you're getting different strains and that will repopulate your intestinal tract with a good flora. I use flora 2014 or flora 5014 or flora 214 by innate. Those are the ones I use or recommend. The flora 214 I like because it's one week and it's like 200 billion organisms per capsule and it's a way to actually reestablish your flora colony in one week. Um, I haven't mentioned it a lot on air, but what you could do with that is, is reestablish it, take one bottle of that, and then what you do is you, is you back down to a product like Flora 2014 and take one of those every day or every other day on an empty stomach. And you could you could do it that way. Now, again, the, your, your flora in your intestinal tract comprises like, I don't know, 60-70% of your immune system. So that has a big bearing on that as well. And that was something we didn't even mention yet. So, that's something else to think about. Um, and I know I'm throwing a lot at you, but these are all different aspects. The Bible says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, and there's a lot of different aspects to our bodies. And there's a lot of different aspects to just the immune system and all the interplay. So I'm just trying to give you the big, big points. Uh, I know it may seem like I'm going into a lot of detail, but I could get into way further detail and, and just, you know, talk about the immune system for ten teachings. So I'm just trying to hit the high points, really. Uh, let's go further. To my knowledge, there are no known natural cures for Ebola. Now, my comment, wrong. More on this later. Okay. I, I'm, I'm going to wait to say what I'm going to say um, because I don't want to say too much about that right yet. Anyway, he's saying to his to his knowledge, this is Mike Adams from the Health Ranger, okay? He says there's no known natural cures for Ebola. Now, my thing is, whoa, hold on. Uh, why? It's like every website you go on, it's like alternative news, not every, but a lot. Or every website or most websites you go on that are health-oriented, they always sell some 20 part per million or 10 part per million supposed colloidal silver. The reality is, is most likely it's ionic silver because it's electrically made. It's not the same as colloidal. And I'm like, if you have so much faith in that product, 
why aren't you up there screaming how great it is and how you have to have this on hand for this Ebola thing? I haven't heard a peep other than from one person about that you need to have this 20 part or 10 part per million colloidal silver for Ebola. And I'm going to talk more about that later. Because I think there's a real agenda with that. And it's not good. So I'm going to talk about that later. And um, you could say, yeah, I'm biased, but, you know, I'm going to just try to go over facts here and relay, the, and relay them to you about this. So, um, to my knowledge, there are no known natural cures for Ebola. This is Mike Adams talking. But because it's an immunosuppressive disease, it makes sense to follow many of the same rules you'd follow for other viral infections we just mentioned. The conventional medical system might offer you some antiviral drugs, but their effectiveness is minimal unless deployed very early during the onset of the infection. Um, For the most part, whether that even works, I don't even know. Uh, I doubt. For the most part, the way Western doctors deal with Ebola patients is a watch-and-wait approach. The patient either conquers the infection on their own and wakes up on the path of recovery, or they never wake up at all. Uh, in other words, modern medicine, with all of its claimed advances, still has about the same approach to an Ebola doctor would have in the 1800s. Uh, hope the patient survives and try not to infect yourself in the meantime. That was the approach. That's pretty much what they're doing now. So we're going to give you some, hopefully, some better information, better game plan, or plan of attack than that. Uh, so um, I'm going to go ahead and end part one here, and we will go to part two next. So God bless you, and we'll see you in part two. Scott Johnson's 800-plus audio teachings and PDF documents are available for free 24-7 on the Internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G for F-O-R truth, T-R-U-T-H dot com. In addition, we also offer a free Christian current event and health email newsletter. You can sign up at contendingfortruth.com. These email newsletters typically only generate about three to six emails per month if you subscribe to both lists. Please prayerfully help us to continue this work. For mail correspondence or to support this ministry, our mailing address is 2359 Highway 70 Southeast, box number 321 Hickory, North Carolina, 28602. Or on the internet, a PayPal donation link can be found at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.